When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My friends who know me know that I really have a hard time waking up. So getting up a couple to three times a night to feed your kid, I'm amazed you can do it, but you can do it when it's your kid. It's an evolutionary advantage that babies are cute because, (laughs) right? Because if any other person would wake you up that often in the night, you'd be upset, but it's your adorable baby. So you're like, all right, I can't stay mad at you. I did not know that you could love someone this fully. It's amazing. Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is the show about work and life, told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Roman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin, or who you love. We're all minorities somehow but we're no one's model minority. This is a show about all of you, for all of us. On today's show, we're talking about babies. Wait, like as in how babies are made? Uh, Sharon? Uh, No, despite my higher voice, this is your other podcast host, Drew. Drew, I think you have the wrong podcast, and this is not Learnings from Leaders, the PNG Alumni podcast. This is Modern Minorities. Oh, I get it. I'm, I'm not allowed to be on your podcast on race and gender just because I'm a white kid from Ohio who looks a little bit like a skinny Hugh Jackman? No, 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 no. It's not that. Look, some of my best friends are white. The reason I'm confused is that Sharon is my co-host on this podcast where we're creating greater empathy and understanding by hearing other minority points of view. True, but I thought you said this was a podcast about babies. <sighs> I'm so confused. Hey, guys, what's up? I got a podcast invite saying to hop on this link. Rajiv, what are you doing here? Did you get your recording times mixed up for the PNG Alumni podcast, too? <laughs> no, I'm a new dad. I'm taking a few months off, unlike some people. I thought this was supposed to be a podcast about babies. Oh, wait, I'm also a new dad, and I'm supposed to be off right now, too. Raman? Raman, aren't you a new dad, too? What are we doing here? First off, whoever writes this drivel needs to be just taken out back. Second, uh, yes, I'm technically also a new dad because we just had our second kid, but technically I'm not because it is our second kid. So this is a podcast about babies. Which I'm pretty sure we all know how they were made. And what they're made of. I mean, how can so much poop come out of such a little body? Am I right? Screw you guys. That's hilarious. What the hell is going on, guys? Well, Roman, didn't you say in our group text thread, now that the three of us are dads, we should take a moment to talk about this particular moment that we're in? I don't even know what day it is anymore. I'm not even sure what I'm wearing anymore. (laughs) You guys are really in it, aren't you? Guys, I honestly could really use a nap right now. Okay, okay. So if you haven't figured it out by now, two of my very close longtime friends and fellow podcast hosts on another podcast, uh, both Rajiv Satyal, the funny Indian, and Andrew Tarvin, humor engineer, also just had new babies. Not with each other, though. Not Not that there's anything wrong with that. Of course, of course, of course. So look, uh, we're new dads, and as lots of people don't have kids, we figured another minority experience we could actually shed some light on is what being a new parent is like. But... Don't many of your listeners have kids? Yes, but to them I say, do you even remember what those first few weeks were like? I think we blocked it all out. I don't even know what time it is anymore, but I've got a beautiful baby boy that is exactly two weeks old. And I've got a beautiful baby girl that is just over a day of a month old. So you guys are in it. Well, I have a beautiful baby boy that is, uh, I don't even count in weeks anymore. Yeah, three months old and a hilarious little girl who's five going on 15. And I think it goes without saying that we don't have this shit figured out. So I want to ask you guys, again, for the moment, like, which you will undoubtedly forget several years from now in a haze of everything. How are you holding up, Rajiv? My God, like, how are you doing, man? 
I'm doing all right. I, I think that you probably got a good sense of it when I couldn't make the earlier time slide and early was 11 a.m. <laughs> Pacific time. So that was kind of a sad miss on my part, but it was it was another rough but great night. I mean, I, my friends who know me know that I really have a hard time waking up <laughs> just generally. So getting up a couple to three times a night to feed your kid, it's it, I'm amazed you can do it, but you can do it when it's your kid. What about you, Drew? I mean, you're a month further along. How are you holding well, up? Yeah, I mean, I think to to Rich's point, I do. It's an evolutionary advantage that babies are cute, because <laughs> right? Because if any other person would wake you up that often in the night, and for you to have to change them or whatever, you'd be upset. But it's your adorable baby, so you're like, all right, I can't stay mad at you. But no, both me, uh, my wife, and our daughter were all doing very very well and no we're just having so much fun i i will tell you that as as an engineer and i've i've joked about this in, in stand up in the past as well like i've never been great with emotions i've always considered emotions as just data in a way i did not know that you could love someone or something this fully it's amazing and maybe it's cuz it's mine because like i helped make that that's why i love <laughs> you so much but that's what i'm feeling right now i, I guess that was going to be my other question like it, it's funny kids I used to call my wife my favorite person. That was my compliment to her when we started dating, when we started getting serious. And now I literally had to write an anniversary card recently. And I was like, you're my favorite person that I am not blood related to. (laughs) (laughs) And I used to say that to my daughter. I was like, you're my favorite person. But now I'm like, you're one of my favorite people. (laughs) But the son, like my, my second, he's... I, I barely know him, but I, I'm i like, oh, I can't wait to get to know you. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Well, one of the things that's interesting to me is that I think the reason why I love my daughter so much is because, partially because I love my wife so much. And so I love my daughter because this is an extension of my wife in some ways. And now I love my wife even more because she is the the reason for the daughter like the two of them i think it continues to grow but my wife has already easily told me that listen i think that you're a swell person but my <laughs> love for this person for her daughter is is more than than yours and i think that's okay i think it's good to have all of that joy much better than the alternative like oh, i hate both of these people more <laughs> i think that's how it becomes uh later though yeah. like as time goes on it's just, yeah, who, who competes for that bottom slot? You're just trying to stay out of that bottom <laughs> slot, I think. Which, I hate festers. Yeah, which I think as a father, that that's kind of, that's sort of our role is to play that, sort of be the, the punching bag a lot of time, isn't it? I, I don't know. It feels like I'm already playing that role. I feel like there's a Dark Knight quote in there, but yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely. <laughs> Born in the darkness of this. Well, and it, I think it is interesting. What's fascinating to me is the, is kind of the, the expectations of fathers is at least where we are in Panama, sometimes seemingly so low. Like our pediatrician was like very excited that I was there and attentive in the hospital room and that I was there the whole time. She like had these horror stories where she was like, yeah, I had this one woman who was here and the only way that we could convince the the father to stay was if we played the soccer game at the same time that she was giving birth and that she had an all-male kind of like team and that the male doctors were also watching the soccer game at different breaks. And I'm like, that's the bar? Like, I just got to be present to be a good father? <laughs> like, is that it? Well, so you guys are in it. Month one, month two, I'm on month three of the second. Like, what is different from what you expected? Like, you guys were kind of holding your breath, cautiously nervous, but excited. And then the world changed. Like, so now you're on the other side. What's the biggest difference? Than what you expected. For me, I would say what's different, one is the love. Like I said, I, I did not know that you could feel this joy. I also think that it is, what's different is I didn't know how much I would miss her in these brief breaks. Because I'm taking off six weeks. My wife is fortunate enough that she's taking off six months. And periodically, I've had to do one or two quick meetings like this one. And the very first one that I did was 45 minutes long. And I went up, did the meeting, and then came downstairs. So it's not like I'm physically even leaving home. I'm just going up a few steps and closing my office door. 
And by the time I was done, I had, I missed her. I was like, it's 45 minutes. I started crying a little bit when I went back to hold her again. <laughs> and it's like, it's been four, it hasn't even been an hour. And you only came into my life just a couple of weeks ago. So that, that level of emotion is different. And as is burping, it's harder <laughs> than I expected. Yeah. You just got to whack them really hard. Like you just <laughs> got to get out. You know, it's funny. So when my daughter was six weeks old, I don't know if I've told you the story. I had the opportunity to interview with this amazing company on the West Coast in LA. And I went down to the city and did like the first interview for a couple hours. And then I came back and they flew me out. And I made it like a 36-hour thing, like red eyes all the way. And uh, I wanted to visit my grandpa while I was out there. Rajiv and I actually met up and played ping pong in a park, I remember distinctly. <laughs> and on the flight out, The Revenant was on, the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio being like a fur trapper. And I'm just going to spoil it because mm -hmm. it's like five years old now. His son dies in the movie. And when that happened, I just started bawling uncontrollably on the flight because I was like, I've abandoned my daughter. <laughs> To go interview with the stupid company. Yeah, the, the emotions I've did I've abandoned not... my boy! I've abandoned my son! <laughs> Sorry, that there will be blood, but I, I think of that I think of that every single time I go to the market. Now, like, Drew, and, and you were saying about, like, leaving your family. I've abandoned my boy! <laughs> I love that. It is amazing. Pop culture, though, is, it is amazing because we have noticed, and maybe Netflix knows that we have a baby now because it's, it's changing what it's suggesting to us. And we watched some great doc There's a baby's documentary on Netflix that's really fascinating, a few other things. But we saw fatherhood from Kevin Hart as this thing, and we started to watch it while we were still pregnant, which is a terrible idea because Kevin Hart's wife dies due to complications from the pregnancy in the film. And it happens at the very beginning. So it's not a spoiler. That's the premise of the movie because he's basically a single father. And it's like that we couldn't watch it. Like as soon as we started to realize that that's where it was going, it's like there's no way we're going to watch that before we go into pregnancy. Yeah, I mean, that, which is probably good because if you're like, dude, that was an amazing, amazing piece of work. I want to watch that every day. It's Sabrina's like, what is going on right now? Yeah, it's like watching Airplane right before you're getting ready to take off on a flight. Yeah, exactly. Don't they show that in one of the scenes they show an airplane exploding on screen, which is one of the greatest things in, in movie history. So, Rajiv, oh what's different for you what, versus what you expected? It really is beautiful. You hear about that. I was in the delivery room and fathers will tell you that like it's a beautiful experience. You're like, bullshit. There's no <laughs> way that it is. There's no way what you're describing is beautiful. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's gross. Like all these thoughts where I was pretty open about this. I wasn't like hiding this. I was going, I'm good. I believe going to be traumatized by it. And there's something about it, I guess. Yeah. When it's yours. I mean, it's just, uh, really is beautiful and my wife looks great i mean i think that's mm -hmm. the other thing is that even pregnant people would say that to her like you you're a really beautiful pregnant woman and you're still a beautiful woman and i think she needed to hear that but it helped that it was true right i'm not very good at lying <laughs> so for me to be able to actually say that and mean that i think was a big surprise to be completely honest well and it's right. a truly incredible experience just to like to that point of it and, and maybe it's sad that it's, it forced me to do this because I just didn't have the context, but it is incredible what women are capable of doing when it comes to pregnancy, that they're, like, their organs internally shift to make room for a baby, and then their hips and everything opens wide enough for a baby to literally come out. And then after the baby comes out, for the most part, like many parents, if they're able to, then can sustain that baby for like a year just on breast milk like they not only produce the baby they produce the fuel for the baby like it's an incredible and that i think is like having witnessed that is also maybe a potential change of just that appreciation of like there's no way that like men should be in charge it should be women running everything because it's yeah, and they can function on like less sleep at a highly yeah, well. competent level like i try not to tell my wife that i am ever tired <laughs> <laughs> or I'm ever feeling off because I'm like, I have no room to contribute here. As much as I am helping, you are doing way more of this than I am. And because it, it's just, and again, I'm not as heavy a sleeper anymore with both kids. Like, and we've kind of split the responsibilities where I'm on point for the five-year-old and she's on point for the baby because she's nursing. But like, she's operating at like a higher level than I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. No, they really are. It's become very PC to say that. And as a comic, I try to look for the truth and try to go, okay, hold on. Is this actually true? Whatever. But you go, yeah, it really is. Like, I mean, you, a friend of mine put it this way out here. He just said, you might feel 
inadequate. <laughs> so yep. well, that's, mm-hmm. that's not that's not unusual. But <laughs> he he just said you might. He goes just be ready for that because I'm doing all sorts of things around the house, and cleaning, and I'm running errands, and I'm doing all this stuff. And you're aware of like it is not. It's not even twenty percent of what she's doing, and. She's doing it with a smile on her face. And even when she's not, that's totally okay. But it's, yeah, it, I, I think for fathers, it is important to realize, like, just hang in there, man. Just, you're going to be the, you're going to be the Art Garfunkel to the Paul Simon. That's who you're going to be. We're <laughs> Garfunkel. That's amazing. And it is interesting. I think the first couple of weeks of, in terms of expectations being a little bit different is it was challenging because we're nursing. And so, like, I was with a crying baby a lot. Like I would start and then I would do the burping or I'd be holding her. And then back to that inadequacy feeling. You're getting a little the bit, leftover like, like non-cute moments. Got it. Yeah. Well, but then the baby starts crying and it's like, I can only do what we call the elephant walk or bounce around too much or like kind of play with her, et cetera, where it's like, no, she's literally just hungry and she's not going to stop crying until she gets food. And because we're nursing and we're not yet to basal feeding, there's like, it's gotta be my wife that does something. And so it feels like one, I have to give more responsibility to my wife. Hey, I know you want to take a nap or I know you're getting ready to take a shower, but uh, baby has decided that uh, she's hungry. But at the same time, you're like, I cannot solve this problem. My my solving this problem is giving you to Mm -hmm. someone else. And so it took a moment to realize like, this is nothing against me. It's not like the baby is like, you as a person are terrible. I hate what you did as a high schooler. Well, she hasn't found that out yet, but she will will know when she finds out what you did that summer but it's that thing with the feeding like it's a sensitive thing you have to manage because your wife the mother wants to feel like she's not just a milk factory straight up mm-hmm. like yes I, I can't do this and I, I really like I always try to understand when the last feeding was I'm going to try to do everything I can to get to the next feeding so you don't have to do it so you don't feel like this is the only solution what are the other things I can do because you don't want her to feel like that's all I'm here for and she's there for so much more, if that makes sense. It's, it's kind of weird. Yeah. To tie it back to the PAG podcast, Jim Lafferty, who's the vice president of Procter & Gamble, went you know practically to the top, did all sorts of things, had a lot of great life advice. And one thing that he said was, he goes, you just have to get good at the blocking and tackling of the job. He goes, when I was in sales, he could bust out a sales report in 20 minutes. And he goes, it took a lot of my peers two hours. And he goes, you just have to get good at that stuff. And It's the same thing in fatherhood. Like you got to get good at burping. You got to get good at swaddling. You got to get good at cleaning bottles. Like you just have to wash, rinse, Mm -hmm. repeat. And it's not enough to go, I don't know, I kind of suck at this. It's like, no, well, then you suck at fatherhood. Like you can't suck (laughs) at that. You have to step up your game and do this, man. Yeah. So can we talk about burping for a moment? Because I I have been trying to Google. It's. I mean, it's fascinating. It's going to be interesting to go back and look at my Google search history of the things that you just like Google, like what color should poop be and all of these other things. Like, but with burping, do you have you all settled or found a technique? Because I was reading somewhere and it seemed almost like as a passaway thing that was kind of like, make sure that you start burping down more towards the bottom and then slowly raise your hand up their back because that's helping the like gas bubbles to escape. And then it's like, I'm like, am I hitting hard enough? Do I have the right cupping? Like, like, I don't know. Have you all settled into Roman? Probably. Cause this is, this I'm is like number two. But... I'm like the burping champion of the world. Wow. I would place gold in the Olympics. I'm so good. It's not even funny. So really like what, what's your secret? Because when Drew was talking about going up shirts and cupping, I was like, well, that's how we made the baby to begin with. This is going to sound so bougie. So I learned how to sail a few years ago, but like in like the poor man sailing <laughs> thing, to be clear, like I used to live on the Hudson river and I found like the like late night, like you have to carry the boats out, not like country club sailing. Yeah. And I just kind of like tried everything and just like goofed around. And I cannot explain how to sail to someone. You just kind of do it. And so with burping, I do remember distinctly those first few weeks with our first it being like holy hell both kids were super colicky super gassy trying to figure out my rhythm and it was the combination of how you're holding the baby on your body the padding and the cupping and when i burp like my when my in-laws or my parents visit and they're like you are beating this child and it sounds worse because as you said drew the cupping like it makes a louder noise i think it's I'm speaking, I'm singing, even if I'm reading like the composting or the commingling recycling instructions on the fridge in the middle of the night, I'm doing it to a tune. It's usually a Weezer or a Beatles song, but like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like, you've got to find like the perfect mix for your kid. It's kind of like decoding the matrix mm, of like, mm-hmm. how are you holding them? How are you hitting them? 
They're hearing your voice. It's like everything. And then the last thing I'll say is walking around, like going up and down stairs helps yeah. because they're shifting their body and that's literally shifting something. So it's hard to explain it. I'm not saying my formula will work for you, but it's like, I think I just did so much trial and error that it's now like instinctive. Like my wife will just hand our baby to me now. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> and what's funny, my daughter, who is five, every once in a while we were playing the other day, she's like, like, daddy burnt me. And I'm like, I'm not going to hit you. Just <laughs> 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 at the park, you get taken away. Well, I think some of it also is like, be careful what you wish for. In other words, I remember many, many years ago, I was over at uh, some friend's place and their daughter, I think was maybe three. And there was this little wagon they had. And I started rolling her around in this wagon and she was having the time of her life. And her father came over to me. He's like, don't do that. I go, oh, is that bad for you? He goes, no, because then I'm going to have to do that the rest of my life. Don't do that. What are you doing? Like, you, you can't give them that much joy. And I was just like, yeah, be careful what you wish for. You're going to have to be really careful of like what I'm actually going to be able to do for my son that is going to be sustainable. It is interesting thinking about that, of like the patterns that you're setting or establishing. Because we worked with a doula here during pregnancy. Amazing. In terms of like decisions, best decisions that we made, one, having a doula was incredible for pregnancy, came to the, the hospital as well. And it's, obviously, it's a little bit different in Panama, so it was a little bit maybe easier to do. But that was just, that removed a lot of question marks. And she was saying her kid now can't fall asleep unless the kid is on yeah. one yeah. breast and holding the other. Like that is like, because that's how they started to go to sleep. And so I'm already like, yeah, what patterns are we already establishing that is going to be hard to potentially break a little bit later when it comes to, are we going to slide it, try to sleep train or, or not? Um, so I think that's interesting. The other thing that I, I, this goes back to maybe the initial question of what's different than expected. I did not know there was going to be so much singing involved in terms of like the, like you said Roman you just start singing the descriptions that you've had I've been singing Christmas songs those are the ones that I've known I'm bringing back a lot of what I learned in musical improv where I'm just like improvising songs yeah. now to the baby yeah. of like whatever's going on amazing what's your go-to song right now my favorite song to sing is uh Dear Theodosia from Hamilton the Hamilton soundtrack <laughs> There's something about right. it being in like maybe my register or whatever. And it's a very like, I like, I'm cheesy with the, like, I, I like the songs that have this meaning like that I can be singing to my daughter and for it to be meaningful. So it's like that or All of You by John Legend, I think is really good or hmm. like, Count on Me by Bruno Mars. Like I like these pop songs that still have kind of like a, a metaphorical meaning. So that, and then the other thing is just is improvising some rap. So like when I'm doing a little bit of like muscle exercise with her, she's just laying on my lap and we're like, swinging her arms out. I, I move her arms as if she is a rapper, like if she's Eminem kind of <laughs> yeah, rapping around. I have and done then that. I do an improvised rap about whatever we're doing at that moment. I, you know, when I was in high school, I wrote like a lot of alternative music lyrics on my like textbook covers, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden and stuff. So these are like lyrics I have committed to memory. And so first time around, second time around, I find myself singing Black Hole Sun or No One Else by Weezer. And I'm like, these songs are terribly inappropriate, but I'm going to keep singing them anyway because it's getting my kid to sleep. Well, I don't think we start listening to lyrics until much later. I was very lyric-oriented, and, and you guys are too, I know, and Drew being a comic and into words and everything else. It's just, it's like you don't think about that stuff. So when there's uh, stuff that's inappropriate on the radio for young kids, you got to think back to when we were in third grade or seventh grade. It wasn't until later going, oh, wow, what are they actually saying? I mean, some of that stuff was just didn't even really occur to us. I mean, Papa Don't Preach was about whether Madonna was going to keep her baby. Yes, that's literally what she's saying. I'm going to keep my baby. I know, but that's not what you're thinking about. You're just singing the melody and the harmony. It doesn't matter to you. <laughs> It's like, hey, yeah, it's like, hey, yeah, has been fun. We've been dancing a little bit to hey, yeah, and it's like, oh, no, hey, yeah, is intentionally a catchy song, but depressing lyrics, because it's like, if nothing is forever, then what makes love the exception? Why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why? It's like, no, it's actually a depressing song if you listen to the actual lyrics, but it's the singing, I think. And so that, I think, was unexpected. I did not expect to, to sing as much, and I've really been enjoying it. Like, I, I don't know, I have these, like, weird flash forwards that almost make me both excited and sad where, and maybe I don't know if it's going to actually happen or not. Maybe it's too movie-esque in my head, but like I'll be dancing with my daughter singing and it's like late at night or whatever. And then I, I almost flash forward to like, oh, when she's five, maybe we'll still do some dancing and she'll dance on my feet. And then when she's 15, I'll dance like awkwardly and she'll hate it because like her friends are there. But then when she's like 
whatever, she's going to get married, then we're going to have the father and the bride dance or whatever. Like, I have these weird, like, moments of this exciting life that we're going to have together. One thing, it's kind of cliche, but people are like, every day gets better and better and better. And that is absolutely true. The older they get, there's going to be a new thing. I'm really scared of the teenage years. Like, I'm getting visibility into that right now with the five-year-old. But the truth is, every day gets better. And I was talking to a parent of older kids about that. <laughs> and he was like, but Raman, think about it this way. That means all the preceding days were worse. <laughs> so I'm like, so, and what he was saying was, it was like, the moment you're in is actually worse than the moment I'm in. And he wasn't trying to hold it over me. I was just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you're right. So I, I try to, I mean, the other thing, the fallacy I do is I play the numbers game all the time. I'm like, oh, man, when he or she is like, 15 years old i'm gonna be this old i'm like yeah yeah i think for me it's i can't imagine loving him more when people are like oh it gets better that i, I don't doubt i'm what you're saying is true i mean i don't know if day 14 is better than day 13 i don't know if it's that granular now what is amazing is how quickly they grow and when people say though oh it's amazing how quickly it goes yeah you hear that all the time but no what i think the part they didn't tell me was no he can actually do something different on day 12 than he could on day 11. Like he's wriggling differently. He's moving differently. He's smiling. It's like, oh, that's what you meant. Not just that the time goes fast and that the days are long and the years are short mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff that you hear about time. But one thing I always said that I would do or try to do at least is to try to avoid getting into a schedule too early. I feel like we put our kids in these on these tracks so quickly. And now you kind of see why, though. You're like, it's not just for your own sanity. I'm like, no, let's not be selfish. Let's not do this just because we're tired. Like, what is good for him in the long run? Not just, oh, because we are we can't get up. It's like, just get up, dude. Like, what is your problem? Just get up. But it's like, no, because they need to get on a schedule. They need a routine. Better yeah. for them. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what, that, that was a big surprise to me as well. So we, we've talked about thinking about the future. How has your worldview changed now that the, the little one is here? It hasn't. Really? <laughs> Not immediately, no. I mean, I, I was overwhelmed by love and all the things that we're talking about. But no, I, I don't have any more connection to like the environment or politics or is that what you mean yeah i i, I was gonna say that like for example fuck it i'll get political like again five-year-old who's gonna start kindergarten in a few weeks like at the beginning of the pandemic people clearly didn't care about old people and now that we have vaccines but kids can't get vaccines and again the babies won't for a while they're going through the vaccinations every few weeks as kid babies should but like i'm like more protective like we don't go out that often with my son, um, more so with my daughter. And again, it's like, if we have to run into a store, she's with me. But I'm like, stay close, keep your distance, keep your mask on. And I see other people coming like too close. And so it's it's not even in the moment, the micro, it's the macro. It's like, you people are doing all this shit and you don't give a shit about my kid and you don't give a shit about other kids. It like just really riles me up. Like my protective instinct is... Uh, so it's a very micro thing to my own fatherhood, but it's like this macro view and lens of the world of like, what are the decisions you're making? Do you not have kids? Clearly, you don't have kids. Clearly, you haven't thought about it. Or clearly, like you could pay someone to take care of your kids so you didn't have to or something like I just I, I'm seeing the world through that lens increasingly so, especially after the last couple of years that we've been going through. I don't know. Yeah, I think my worldview has changed a little bit. And and I know this is bad to say, because I, I don't think that I was a like misogynist before I had a daughter. <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. Like, of course, yes, need uh, need to break through, break through the glass ceiling and need to deal with gender bias. And we need equality and equity for sure. But then it even happened the moment, like, when we found out we were having a girl, I was like, oh, we need to solve these gender things, like, quick. Yeah, like, not that we, don't, yeah. we didn't need to before, but it's like, no, this needs to happen. And what do I need to, I've got to educate certain ways. And now, because my wife has always been like, I hope she has your confidence, right? Because my wife grew up always being kind of second-guessed a little bit, has always second-guessed herself because of just kind of how she was instilled and what goes on with, like, education all that's like different because of a different time and she grew up in germany and all these other things but she's like for me i've been fortunate that my mom was always like you can do the things that you set your mind to i'm very much that millennial like almost entitled of like no i'm gonna do what i love like i'm uh, etc but she's like you have a certain confidence that comes with it and how do we make sure that our 
daughter has that as well. So it's changed my perspective there. It's also changed my perspective in the work that I do, like running my own business, being an entrepreneur, et cetera. I'm now questioning, like, does this thing that I'm thinking about ultimately have a long-term impact for my family? Like, it's no longer, I don't want to say, like, everything that I do now is for this family and nothing else matters. Like, no, I'm too narcissistic to say that I don't do things just for me. Like, absolutely, no, I do this thing because I like it. But I will say that it's changing my perspective of what's a priority. Whereas before it'd be like, oh, totally all hop on a flight and go to this place for this thing for a lower amount and for this, that. And like, no, now I don't want to do that. Now it it changes the scale of what I think is important in terms of what I want to be dedicated towards to say, okay, this is going to have an impact for positively either for the world, for me or for my family. And that family piece is even stronger now. How has this changed your... And it, it might be too early for you guys, and I'm going to caution you to either give a politically correct or politically incorrect answer. How has this changed your perspective in your relationship with your parents now that you are parents? I think it's true what people say. You realize how much your parents love you. What we're doing for our son, that's what people tell you. Like You have this instant appreciation for your parents, and really all parents. I mean, if they're doing a crappy job, then maybe not. But otherwise, you go, wow, this is really hard. It looked hard. It was part of the reason I put it off for so long is it looked really difficult. And I do stand-up comedy for a living. People look at that, they go, well, that's really hard. I go, I know, but having a kid, that looks super difficult. But then you go, yeah, but most people have children. Most people don't do stand-up comedy. And the world is, well, yeah, the world is screwed. Okay, let's not think about it that hard. I guess it is difficult, but I do look at my parents differently, and it, it happened on day one. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the same thing. If I, it's, And I had, writing has always been very helpful for me, because I didn't have this epiphany until working on the United States of Laughter. And there's a specific moment in Arizona where it really kind of came to bear the amount that my parents had sacrificed for us. And what's changed in terms of my perspective or how I look at that differently is I used to, I would, I brought it up with my mom because it's like, oh, my mom didn't get her college degree. My dad only took a couple of college courses and then they got pregnant with the, like, then they decided to have a family. And so he didn't do that. And like, they stayed in Ohio. They didn't ever travel really much. My, my dad never made it outside of the United States. And that's what hit me in Arizona. was like, my dad never got to see this. Why do I deserve to, et cetera. And it was because of the sacrifices that they had made to give me the education and the loving childhood that we had grown up in and everything. And so that I had already started to appreciate, but the, the perspective shift of, I talked with my mom about it and I was like, it's incredible. The sacrifices that you, you talked about. And she's like, that's the thing though, is I don't think of them as sacrifices. They weren't, mm. Oh, I'm doing duty. You're just because doing it. of blank. It's yeah. like, no, this is a thing that I'm doing. And that I was always worried about. Like, I don't understand parents that do blank. Like you're not willing to do blank instead for this. And it's not even a decision to be made. It's like, of course, this is what I decided to do. And I don't hold any grudge or ill will or whatever towards it. And that I start to see in experiences as well, because I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, I would easily make that same decision. My my dad has this saying Mm. every time, especially in this teen and 20 years, I would say thank you to my dad for something. And he'd be like unconditional. And I thought he's just kind of like trying to be smart and sappy. And I was like, okay, but it's kind of like this thing you're going to do. So I, I want to take it to a darker turn on the parents. My folks visited the first month my son was here. We were able to make it work with the pandemic and everything. And so they came up and it was a frustrating visit. I'm glad they got to visit their grandson and hadn't seen him since prior to the pandemic. But I remember it was a long week with them in the house. And I remember taking them to the airport first thing in the morning and just kind of breathing the sigh of relief as the door shut and I walked back to my car. And I thought about that for a second. I was like, shit my daughter is going to have that feeling about me in 20 or 30 years. <laughs> so I guess that the, the, now for the politically incorrect answer, how are you holding up with the interactions with your parents now that you have a baby? I think for me... Um, well, yours are in another country. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a different country. So neither one of our families have visited. And and so that I think we have like going for us. And, and not even necessarily direct family, but you sometimes hear this weird thing of like, there's, there's been conversations from friends or friends of friends or whatever, where it's kind of like, we showed a picture of our stroller before even our daughter had arrived and like one person commented like, really, you got that stroller that seems like it's kind of rigid or whatever. Like there's a weird commentary on like, we're already doing parenting wrong. And that I think is like, okay, we don't need that. And apparently that's going to happen a lot. And we just ignore it. The good news is like, I'm pretty good at like 
okay, yeah, thank you for the feedback, and then pretend like it never happened. But I think, I don't know, I think I'm very fortunate with my, my family because we're a family of introverts, and we tend not to be too confrontational. And just so, nothing will happen with that. Yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. It's going to be interesting to see if what goes on there. But all that to say is that like we're relatively easygoing, and so I haven't had that issue yet, but it, I hadn't thought about it in the same way that you just articulate it, where it's like, hey, those any, think about any negative feelings that you've had towards your parents and realize, oh, those same negative feelings may be coming your way. That I Well, thank you for the existential crisis there for me. You're, you're welcome. To, to well, but again, it, it makes the unconditional nature more powerful. Like my parents don't give a shit about that. They're going to love me no matter what. So Rajiv, I got to ask, like I mentioned to my wife when you told me that you've got both sets of parents. She was like, oh, <laughs> come on. You're hiding in like the back shed right now. I know. So like... I, I am quite literally hiding in the studio and I came out here without eating breakfast or lunch or whatever. It's just, it was a rough night last night and that's fine. I'm all in. I'm, I'm here for it as the, as the kids are saying, but it was a beautiful thing. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Over, overall, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Having the parents here, being able to make my parents grandparents and reclaiming the number one slot, number one son that it, it probably permanently that, that was incredible. So, which is why we <laughs> have the kid. Again, uh, yeah. The whole, the whole purpose, but it's hard. It's much harder than I would have expected. I think my wife saw it coming where she was like, dude, this is not going to be easy to be able to manage this many people. And I pride myself on being a leader. I think I'm pretty good at managing resources, but when you start referring to grandparents as resources, maybe you're not off to a great start. And so actually a mutual friend of ours, Jen, she said, Assign the grandparents specific tasks. Make sure that you're telling them to do specific things like, dad, you're responsible for this dad. You're responsible for making sure the gas is full. And this dad, you're making sure that you're doing the gardening. And that, that sort of thing where it's divvied up and everybody on the team knows what's what's going on. But, dude, it's hard. It, managing FaceTime with our son is not the easiest thing. And there is, I believe, a little bit of jealousy. There's territoriality. There is keeping track and fight to throw them all under the bus, but I think they all do it. Well, that is interesting too, like what you're talking about. Like FaceTime is is interesting because it's like, okay, it's almost easiest for us to do, because that's the only way that we've shared with the grandparents so far. Like my wife's mom is and her sister are coming in about a month from now. And then we're going to do another a month later. It'll be my side of the family. And so we're, we're balancing that. But we were very intentional. Like we're in a different country. We didn't want someone staying at our house. We wanted to be able to say, okay, people need to be able to, to leave. But it is interesting, the virtual side of thing, because you're like, well, it's easiest for us to do it when she's sleeping, but that's way less fun for the people who you're like FaceTiming for them to then see like, oh, yay, another sleeping baby. Like, can we see it awake? Maybe at some point it's like, <laughs> well, when it's awake, it's a little bit harder to do the FaceTiming. So I don't know. It is an interesting balance. But I think almost to the to extend what Rajiv was just saying in terms of giving them specific tasks, I will say I think that it's making it's making me closer a little bit to my mom in some ways but also to my wife's parents a little bit more and, and my wife's siblings because, one, because what my wife does at the UN is kind of so abstract in some ways. And, and some people I think are, I don't know if intimidated is the right word, but it's kind of like, oh, well, you're off like saving the world. And it's like, well, kind of, I mean, yeah, I, I needed to do some research for this earthquake that just hit Haiti. So I took a break from my paternity leave to send a little bit of data because that's going to help to like change things. And it's like, Oh, well, my uh, friend of mine is like, oh, I went to work today and worked in IT. So like the, the conversation is a little bit different. And then for me, speaking and traveling and comedy, like that's sometimes hard to connect with. But with our family, it now gives us that connection to be like, well, parenting is something that we can all talk about. I can go to my mom for advice. I'm not going to go to her for advice on, hey, how do I restructure this comic triple so it hits harder? But I can go to, hey, what did you do in terms of like feeding, et cetera? So it, it's given us a new way to bond in some ways because that is a shared experience that we know that we both have had. The other thing you will notice over the next few months as you Virginia, after your folks leave, <laughs> but like those FaceTimes, they don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> like, oh, true. The, I, I literally have to schedule phone calls with my parents and I'll call and they'll be like, where's the kid? I'm like... Can't you just talk to me, mom? <laughs> <laughs> 
No. And when you have kids later on, though, you're ready for that. I mean, now my identity, you asked about my worldview. I don't know if it's so much my worldview, but my self-view is I'm dad. That's who I am now. That's my identity. And I think sliding into that role of, of that helps guide you. Welcome to our Christian podcast. I don't know why, <laughs> I, don't know why like, I shifted my tone so dramatically here. But no, it's like that that does inform you and give you sort of a North Star of like, is this something that you would want your dad to do or be or think or whatever it is? And, and look, it, it, the answer to that may be, hey, look, there's, I'm still me and I've got my own identity. And but yeah, you're not only your son's dad or your daughter's dad. That's not your only role. But I think it's important to slip into that. So we're running out of time. So I want to ask a couple of speed roundy questions. Are, are you guys ready? Do you even like have the competence right now to deal with the speed round? <laughs> Yes, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an unfiltered answer because of the <laughs> because of where we're at. I don't even know how to ask these questions in the lens of parenting. So I know that you guys are just full of joy that you never expected. So I'm not gonna ask. What is? I guess yeah. What what is a book or movie or TV show or something that you've consumed in the last since since the baby arrived? What is something that you've enjoyed, a guilty pleasure, or something that you've really related to and made you cry? Kind of like me watching The Revenant on that plane. Uh, two two things that come to mind for me. One in terms of pure helping, like I really enjoyed the first season of Ted Lasso. I had not watched it, but I think it hit at a good time because I was basically watching it when on night duty, and and AirPods are an incredible invention, or Bluetooth headphones, or whatever. Like that is. That is on my like underrated technology tools. That plus kind of a baby tracker and write music, but AirPods. Oh, and we got this, we got this like Polaroid camera that has been amazing. There's something different about, we take a ton of digital photos, but then every now and then we also bust out that. And that's been really cool to see almost, it feels like vintage style. So from a technology perspective, AirPods and one of like the Instamax's Polaroid cameras are, are two things that I would recommend to, to new parents. But watching Ted Lasso late at night, because it's a feel-good show, it's a positive one, it's someone who's like wants to be a positive force of nature, that has been good. From an actual kind of like slightly more academic perspective, the baby's documentary on Netflix, I think, is pretty fascinating. And it's just kind of like, here's what we know about growth, and here's what we know about like nursing and breast milk and the fact that it changes and stuff. And so it's kind of like, hey, we're going through that right now. It's kind of cool to see this documentary, and here's kind of what the science says, and this might kind of impact the way that we decide to do a couple of things. What about you, Rajiv? Gadgets, shows, what's what's helping you get through this? The Departed. I find myself <laughs> watching really gritty, hardcore, dark kind of things, like yeah, things that I've seen yeah. before, like right because because you're because you've got all this wholesome with milk and toys and babies and grandparents and all of this talk, and then you're like, I just kind of want to rewatch Collateral. <laughs> This time around, I watched Watchmen, which I finally finally got around to watching the HBO show Watchmen, mm-hmm. and I watched Warrior, which like <laughs> I just like needed that emotional release on the other yeah. side of the spectrum. Yeah, I think some of that's maybe testosterone and manhood. Although I hear that women go through something where they're watching something darker, or actually, but I think that there is that idea of balance of just going, yeah, it, it, it's. And maybe at least I'll speak for our end of the gender spectrum. I mean, I just feel like it's, yeah, something grittier, something like, I just want to feel like a man. I want to to watch something that's, that's, yeah, give me me something action-oriented. That's true. I have also been watching Westworld, which is interesting about this idea of rebirth and then also that the thing that you gave birth to then wants to take over and kill you. So that's been fun. (laughs) (laughs) What is something that you wish you could go back and still do that for the next 18 years you're not going to get to do <laughs> other than sleep like through the night travel and gallivant i mean when i went to new york in may i kind of called it my last hurrah where it was like i can go gallivant for a week in new york city that's not happening anytime soon yeah and i think it's an interesting question and because prior to having a child it was kind of like i don't want to be one of those parents that sacrifices a bunch and like doesn't have my own life and my wife and i talked about specifically like we still want to be like we don't even necessarily want to be parents first we want like one a to be parents and one b to be that we're in a relationship that we're significant others with each other and so i don't want it to be like oh in the next 18 years i'm never doing any of these things because it's like ideally if we can manage the things right, we can like, oh, we could drop uh, our kid off with our grandparents for a week and travel and still do some traveling, etc. Now, obviously, those things are going to be harder. 
But that I think is probably the thing that I would miss is going to be that. And that's probably maybe more so the pandemic right now than it is in addition to the child is, yeah, I would be speaking and it'd be like, oh, I'm going to speak. This is an in-person event and I'm dealing with it right now. Like, okay, I'm supposed to speak in Scottsdale on this date. And then a week later, I'm supposed to speak in Phoenix, which same place, essentially. It's like, oh, normally what I would do is I would stay in Arizona for a week and then maybe my wife would come with me and we'd go to the Grand Canyon or we'd go to Slot Canyon or we'd like extend that. We'd make that a trip. And now it's like, okay, no, I'm going to fly to Arizona, immediately fly back, be there for five days, and then I'm going to fly to Arizona again, and then immediately come back. That's assuming pandemic doesn't shut all these things down. But that is certainly something that will change. And so maybe to steal Rajiv's answer, it's those kind of like gallivanting trips that were extended a little bit further. Yeah, I mean, I think the sentiment is like your time is not your own. And it's it used to be that, right? And I, two of the things I think about is like going and seeing, again, pre-pandemic, but it, even with the pandemic, going and seeing live music or going to see a blockbuster movie when it comes out. Like, I really want to go see The Green Knight. I The opportunity to go to the fully vaccinated Foo Fighters show in Madison Square Garden. And it wasn't just like pandemic and risk to my child. There absolutely was that. It was also just the like, gosh, that's going to be a really late night. <laughs> like, well, and, and it's just... And so that would be just the, the tweak that I would say, and maybe I'm, I'm still too early on in it of like, it's not necessarily that the time isn't your own. I think with your wife, she's very understanding. You probably could have made it work, et cetera. Your priorities have shifted. So you're deciding yeah. not to do those things. It's not like, oh, you couldn't technically do it. And oh, woe is me because I never get to do anything fun. It's like, no, if I'm weighing the cost benefits, yeah, I could technically do that with my wife and we could have someone come here for that week and I could be gone and it'd be okay. I just don't want to. Well, before it, before it was, when we were single, it was unlimited. You could do whatever you wanted. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then when you got married, there's the compromise and the trade-off with the partnership. But then once kids and responsibility kind of take over, it's so you have less cash to play with, yeah, so to speak. Kind of last question for you guys. What is something you want yourself or your child to know about this moment 20 years from now? I think that it will take 20 years. In other words, explaining how much we love you, being able to cuddle you, whatever. Whenever our parents would tell us those stories, we were just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. And and not that we were being cold, but we just aren't going to get it until later. And, and maybe he will. Maybe things will change, or maybe he'll just be really mature, or he'll be very sentimental like Raman, or he'll be something like that. But it's kind of like you just don't really appreciate that until later, most likely, and being able to share that with him, that part you go, gosh, I hope I live long enough. And I hope that we're able to have those kinds of conversations to go, wow, it really was something. Because somebody said to me recently, ask your parents what the day you were born was like. And I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. I never thought to ask that. And was your parents pass on and, and whatever else? If you don't get to ask that, and I have friends for whom that's the case, you're like, gosh, that sort of just dies with them. You're not going to be able to do that. So I don't know. I want to live. I want to be there for him. I want to do all the stuff with him. And obviously play catch and all the things that you want to do with with your kids. But it's, I don't think some of these moments I'm going to be able to share until later. And that just makes me want want to live. (laughs) I think that's a great answer. And I think that for me, it is similar. And and one of the things that we're doing, I think I saw it on a Reddit post a while ago, or maybe it was even, it might've been a Gmail commercial. But it was this idea of someone setting up a... Dear Sophie. Dear Sophie. Exactly, yeah. Dear Sophie. That makes me cry. Uh, Just like, if you want to make Roman cry, go watch Dear Sophie. Yeah. Which is great. But it's this idea of set up an email address for the person and then send them periodically emails. And so that's what I've been doing with my daughter. Of Like yesterday was her one month. So just send an email that was just like, hey, super excited. Here's what we did today. Here's some of what we've been feeling kind of this first month. And who knows? She may get to the point that I like pass over, hand over the password to her. And she's like, great. Mark all is red or delete. <laughs> like, maybe she doesn't care about them. And, and to, to Rajiv's point, maybe it takes some time for that appreciation to, to settle in. Because that's a great question that I've never asked. I'm going to have to ask my mom that uh, as well, because you don't have that same, same recognition. But I think for me, what I capture, what I think a lot about is just, in, in the message that I share kind of the email, is just the joy that we have right now. That this insular moment where my wife and I both aren't working. We're in Panama, which we don't know how long we're going to be. Maybe we're here in 20 years, or maybe it was only a two-year stint. 
who knows, but like that, this is a, a very, very special specific moment. And I think that we're trying to take the time to really kind of recognize that. And we're very fortunate to be able to do that. But the level of love that we feel, the joy that we feel that our, our daughter has brought with that, the like, she's, I don't think she's laughing on purpose yet, but she laughed in her sleep on accident, maybe the other day. And like my heart melted and was like, oh, that's the thing that the rest of my life, I'm going to be going after that laugh now. Like it used to be the laughter of strangers as a comedian. Now it is that one person specific laughter and that I'm really excited to see where things go with us. And to Rajiv's point, to hope that, okay, now I got to eat a little bit healthier to make sure that I'm around to see as much of it as possible. That's beautiful, man. Um, well, guys, I know personally we'll be checking in with each other. Who knows if people will get to hear some of those conversations, but I know things are crazy right now. Uh, you're in it and Hey, it gets better. I've heard, <laughs> but I really appreciate you making the time to kind of share. And I wish uh, sleep, not just for you or your beautiful children, but for also your, your beautiful, beautiful partners as well. So uh, get some rest and yeah, quit working on your parental leave guys. Jeez, seriously. <laughs> Uh, I know, but hey, you had an idea and I love that we captured this. So thanks for having us on. Seriously, man, I echo that as well. All right, well, see you when I see you. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three. Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us. Hi, mom, at modmypod.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ModMinPod. We'd love to hear from you. Now, here's a preview of our next episode. When the Rodney King story broke, the host of the show says we should talk to the cop's parish priests and see if they could give us character portraits of these cops. And I said, I think we should be talking to Rodney King's kindergarten teacher because the kindergarten teacher is as relevant as these cops' priests. There was silence in the room and the executive producer said, okay, noted. What stories do you think we should be doing? Then I pull my paper back and I start going through them. That meeting ends and I walked into the ladies room and I just collapsed. Like it just took all the courage I had. It's my first big journalism job and I was speaking up telling them they were wrong. And that's when I realized I was going to stick with this career and it was going to work out. That's it for now. I've been Ramin Segal. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com